Welcome to the Orange Crest Community Church Podcast. Our hope is that this weekly podcast provides both encouragement and challenge as you move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Good morning. I'm really excited to be here and continuing on this message series called Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Um, what we've been looking at is is actually the Bible actually has a lot to say about how we approach the communities that we find ourselves living in. And Pastor Josh over the last couple of weeks has been looking specifically at who does the Bible say our neighbor is and what type of importance should we place on that relationship. So um, in order to continue on with that today and build, um, you know, build that topic out a little more, I want to start by sharing a story okay, about my own personal life. And it's not something I'm totally proud of here. So you can almost call this like, you know, confessions with Scott today. So about seven years ago, my family was burglarized. Somebody broke into our home on two separate occasions over one summer um, while we were on vacation. Um, not a pleasant thing. First time we kind of chalked it up to not that big of a deal. Um, obviously it gave us a jolt. But we really kind of assumed it was these neighborhood kids who used to live in our home who were visiting for that summer and um, visiting some neighbors. And, um, you know, they used they knew how to get in. And the way they got in, it wasn't like forced entry. So somebody had to kind of know the house. And they took some inconsequential things. So not like it was no harm for no foul, but kind of no harm, no foul, you know. So we went on with our lives. Well, when it happened about a month later on another trip, um, I was much much, much more concerned. In fact, I was, uh, I was ticked off. Um, it, I knew it wasn't the neighborhood kids at this point, and it had to be somebody else. Um, the police came out and made the report, you know, but that wasn't enough for me, you know. I, I, I became the neighborhood's detective, you know. You can call me the green arrow. I was going to serve justice to the people who had done wrong to my neighborhood, which was just me at the time. So, um, in all my great wisdom, I landed on a suspect. And let me tell you who that was. So next door to us was this very pleasant lady that we had developed a pretty good relationship with. Well, a couple months prior to this break-in, she had had a son who had been released from prison, or not prison, but jail for a drug charge. And he was living in a small, dilapidated trailer on her property. And, you know, in my perspective, the shoe fit. And so guess what I did? I didn't call the police and have them check into them. Nope. I walked right up to their house. I knocked on the door. My intent was to talk man to man. Well, guess what? He didn't come to the door. His mom did. So in all my great, you know, again, wisdom, and I'm the green arrow here again, I proceeded in a very harsh tone to explain to her how her son broke into my house. I accused him to her, and I turned around, and I walked away in a huff. Now, what did I do wrong? You know, what did I really do wrong? Isn't it my role as a husband to protect my family? You know, isn't it um, as good citizens, shouldn't we be concerned with justice and, and kind of making sure that those type of things don't happen in our civilization? Um, well, to name a few, here's some things I did wrong. First of all, as I rushed to judgment, I accused him based on very little evidence. Um, second, guys, I tattled to his mom. <laughs> um, me, an adult, went and tattled on another adult to his mom. I'm not super pleased to admit that to you. <laughs> but 
But let me tell you, none of that is what leaves me in regret after seven years. So in this message series, we've really been looking at the commands that Jesus gave the people who desire to follow him. So if you're here this morning and you're already a follower of Jesus, my goal is to encourage the mission that you find yourselves on. And if you're here and you're just exploring what it means to be a follower of Jesus, my hope is to kind of expand the flavor of that commitment um, to be a disciple or a follower of Jesus. So, um, and when you decide to follow Jesus, um, what you, you can kind of see Jesus as sort of a commander-in-chief of your life. He has a lot of life-giving and good things to say about how we approach life. Now, there's, there's a lot of little ones, but there's a few big rocks in kind of his um, commands or his guidances on how to approach life. And so one of those is we've been looking at it, and it's what's called the Great Commandment. And Josh has been teaching on that the last couple of weeks. And that's found in Luke chapter 10, verse 27. And I'll read that to you. It says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. And then another big rock that I kind of want to add to the mix and in just this whole message about being a good neighbor and the kind of the art of neighboring is what we call the Great Commission. And this is found in Matthew 28:19 and here it is in a nutshell. It says, "Therefore," and this is Jesus telling his disciples and all of his followers after he's already risen from the dead and he's ascending into heaven, and he says, "Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations." We don't just stop at loving our neighbors. We actually continue on with bringing the life-giving, restorative hope of following Jesus Christ and that message to our neighbors as well. So you can see what leaves me with regret after seven years with this particular neighbor is that my first interaction with him, guys, was to accuse him of robbing me. I totally neglected the mission of my um, commander-in-chief, Jesus Christ. I did not reach out to this guy prior to that encounter. Sure, when I was inconvenienced by him and thought he robbed me, I reached out then. But I did not reach out to him. And I asked myself, why not? And when you sum it all up, what it really comes down to is I was afraid of him. I was afraid of his appearance. I was afraid of his criminal record. I was afraid of the, the, you know, the way he lived in a dilapidated trailer. I didn't see him as someone I could or should reach out to. So today, what I want to really narrow our focus in on is really talk about how to overcome our fears and reaching out to those that are different from us and those we don't know. And I have a couple of thoughts on this. So first thought I have is this, is the brokenness in our world leads us to be suspicious and fearful of those who are different from us. Suspicious and fearful of those who are different than us. And boy, the brokenness does lead us to do that. So now are there reasons to be cautious in this world? Absolutely there are. In fact, with this particular neighbor I spoke of, I would still need to have applied discretion and caution and even trying to relate to him in a more of a positive way as well, given his criminal record. Um, in fact, you know, getting involved with the type of people that are different than us, with people who we don't necessarily see eye to eye on, 
uh, the problem with that is it really is messy sometimes. Like it really can be difficult to know how to navigate those type of conversations and relationships. I mean, really think about it. Like, what are you going to talk about sometimes? What if a hot topic comes out and, and they really have another view? How are you going to, you know, keep goodwill between you? And so what we tend to do is just kind of avoid those people. And then when you turn on the TV or you watch social media, you start to see just all that is wrong in the world. I mean, especially recently. I mean, right now we're in the middle of a global pandemic still. There's dissension regarding systemic racism going on right now. We have 40 plus million Americans out of work. And remember the recent curfews we had to control potential riots? Um, and then think about the strong political debate that's going on right now because of the, you know, in, in preparation for the upcoming presidential election we'll be having in just a few short months. And guys, I'm just talking spring of 2020. Um, you know, this all leads us to, to start to think like maybe good fences make good neighbors, right? Good fences make good neighbors. And, and we want to move towards safe, clean, and controlled environments. And that's what makes sense to us from a conventional wisdom standpoint. And it's actually understandable that it would make sense, except for this. Our commander-in-chief, Jesus Christ, has asked us to do something different, just like he did something different from the religious leaders in his day and age. Um, in fact, Jesus was actually given a hard time for hanging out with some of the people that we would find scary. Here's a list. You know, there were prostitutes that Jesus hung out with. The diseased. We have disease now. Financial con artists. Demon-possessed people, political extremists, uh, and then, you know, many sinners of the like. And to the point, he hung out these people enough to the point that he was actually accused of being like them. So check out what was said about him by some of the current Jewish religious leaders at the time. And this is from Matthew seven thirty four. It says, The Son of Man, that's Jesus, came eating and drinking, and you say, Here is a glutton and a drunkard a friend of tax collectors and sinners. It would seem that Jesus was really hanging out with some sketchy people. Um, so let's all do an assignment right now. We're going to take a moment to do this. And, and what I want you to do is, um, I'm not going to ask you to do anything with this list, but just contemplate and write it down. But I want you to really think through and write down the types of people and environments you are not comfortable with. Um, just go ahead and be honest with yourself, you know. Don't show anybody this list so that you can be more honest. And like I said, I'm not going to ask you to do anything, but just write down the types of people and environments you are currently not comfortable with. Let's take a moment to do that. Why did Jesus hang out with these kind of people? You know, he obviously has very little in common with these type of sketchy people that I just described. You know, and, and doesn't the Bible even say in 1 Corinthians 15:33 like bad company corrupts good character? And what about the very true statement that you hear around OCC a lot that says pick your friends 
pick your future. Jesus was a friend of sinners for a purpose. And he's asking us to do the same thing. Uh, but is he asking us to set out on a singular mission to right all the wrongs of the world and to only surround ourselves with those who are different than us and troubled? Absolutely not. The Bible is very clear that our mission is to be done in the context of a local group of believers who share our same values and our same hearts, who can support us, help us grow, and we team up with those people to reach others and include others in our group. And guess what we call that? We call that the local church. So, this kind of leads me to my next point, and it's this. is In order to take the Great Commandment and the Great Commission seriously, we must be in relationships with the people God has placed around us. Um, this was mostly an everyday occurrence for Jesus. He was always one-on-one -on -one with people or in, in homes, you know, small groups, having meals in homes with people. He sometimes spoke to large crowds to kind of build perspective and share values. Um, and all of these are the places where Jesus did his ministry. You know, he touched people's lives in real life. He didn't just write books and blogs, but he poured his life into those around him personally. Um, you know, Jesus really brought the goodness of his message and guess what? We have an opportunity to be his representatives to those that we find around us. So let me give you an example of what this looked like in the life of Jesus. And I'm going to read you from the book of Luke. Luke was one of Jesus' disciples. And so in the Bible, he's in this, in this book of Luke, he's writing and he's documenting the life of Jesus. So in chapter 5, verse 27 through 29, it says, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi, sitting at his tax booth. So let me pause for a second. The tax collectors in this day and age that the Bible is referring to here, these were despicable, traitorous, dishonorable, thieving people. Um, they had turned their backs on their own people and they were collecting money for Rome, who was kind of the ruling authority who had taken over the Jewish people at this time. And um, these weren't seen as, these aren't your honorable, respectable CPAs like we have today. So I just... I want you to have the right image in your mind. So here, I'll continue. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up and he left everything and followed him. God must have been doing something in Levi's heart. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd, a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. Man, great strategy, Levi. You know, not only was his own life changed, but he invited all the people that he knew, all his whole relational network to come and, and meet Jesus and learn about him. And, and that's really what God is asking us to do. So track with me on this example of how electrical current runs through a wire. Okay, let's see if you can track with me. I, th I think this is important. You know, the reason electricity flows through wires is because we basically pack together close enough together um, conductive materials and a conductive material is something that can attract and spread electricity so you know electrical current comes and comes into one conductive material it it takes it in and it spreads it to the next one you know next to it and so electricity runs down the line because you know these conductive materials are so close to one another and in the same way we need to be close enough 
to the people that God has surrounded us with so that they can see our life and hear our words. Let me continue with this passage, all right? But the Pharisees and teachers of the law who belonged to their sect and complained to his disciples. You know, these were the Jewish religious leaders and they're complaining to Jesus' disciples. And it says, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. You know, as I've been preparing this message this last week, um, two questions keep rattling around in my mind. And and here they are. And one is, is, has God placed any spiritually sick people around me? And if so, what am I going to do about that? You know, John fourteen twelve says, Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. This is Jesus talking. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. As Christ followers, we will not be satisfied not doing God's work. Each one of us has a role to play in the people that we're connected to. Let me close with one more example in the life of Jesus here. And this is also found in the book of Luke, chapter 7, verses 36 through 48. And it says, and what you need to know before I read this is a Pharisee is one of the Jewish religious leaders. That's a person in the story. Also, um, there's going to be some mention to washing of feet. And that's just a general custom in those time, uh, in, in the time of Jesus, where people wore sandals and walked on, on dusty roads and trails. And when they would come into a home, they would typically wash their feet to kind of prepare them for more of a formal or, or you know, relaxing indoor setting. So that just kind of gives you some context for this story. So go ahead and sit back and, and let me read to you um, this story about um, a scene from Jesus' life. So when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in, th- in that town who lived a sinful life, learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume, and she stood behind him at his feet, weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears. She, then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet... He would know who was touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. So Jesus answered him. He said, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now, Which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered 
has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven and her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. Are we willing to be around people who are different than us so that we can be a representative of Jesus to them? As Jesus said to Simon, do you really see this woman? Her hurt and pain and desire to be healed. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've had to clear up with God this week and really confess and receive his forgiveness that I did not see my neighbor as someone who desperately needs the good, loving, life-giving change that Jesus can bring. And that my first encounter with him was not to build a bridge of peace, but with God's grace, I can be different, and so can you. For some next steps considering this message, I'd really like to encourage you to continue learning the first names of the eight closest neighbors to you, as well as um, start praying for them by their first name. And then in addition to that, I'd really like you to pray for and look for an opportunity to serve one of your neighbors over the next coming days or weeks in order to begin building a relationship of goodwill. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for your love and your grace and your great mercy, God. You really have forgiven us. As your word says, Lord, your gospel is enough. It really is enough, God. You have have provided a way for us to know you, to love you, to be restored to um, a right place in this world, to have the confidence to face the challenges of life, Lord. And you don't want that to end with us, God. And so, Lord, help us. Help us to overcome our fear, God. Help us to overcome our apprehension, our, our, our desire to isolate ourselves, to remain in controlled, safe environments, Lord. Um, help us to just overcome that, Lord, so that we may get to know the people that you've put around us and that you can begin to, to work through us and sharing the life you've given us with those people. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you've been encouraged by the message and equipped to move forward in obedience to God's word. Join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast.